Well, it is fall kickoff. No more weeks counting. We're here. It's happening, and it is good to see you all. Um, I've been looking forward to today for really for a few months, um, and, and that's that's no joke. I have been looking forward to what God wants to speak to us today. I've been in prayer along with our pastoral team and our leadership, praying about the direction for uh, for our church as we move forward, looking ahead. This next season for us, uh, we spent time, we, we actually went on a retreat. We spent time with our pastoral team praying through and talking about vision and direction. Um, for those of you who didn't know, um, Pastor Megan and myself, uh, myself um, came to New Community uh, just over seven months ago in January. And so... Um, and we've been excited, but I tell you what, when you, when you transition into a new church, you become the pastor of a church, or the learning curve is pretty steep. Um, and, and just getting to know people and learn names, uh, that, that in and of itself is, per, is, is a pretty daunting task. And I'm, I'm glad to say, uh, for, for most of you, I, I think I can remember your name. Uh, if, I, if I still struggle, forgive me, but we'll get there. We're getting there. Um, Learning the culture of a church, learning about the history of a church, learning about the heritage, and then in the midst of all of that saying, Lord, what is the vision you have for us as we move forward? Where are you taking us? Because as a, as a senior pastor of the church, that's, that's one of my roles, one of my responsibilities is to say, God, where are you leading us as a congregation? As, as a shepherd would lead the, lead the flock, I'm listening to the great shepherd saying, God, where are you taking us as a church? And of course, I didn't want to rush into that. I couldn't, you know, we, we came in January and I couldn't in February say, okay, here it is. Primarily because I had no relationship with you. In fact, Jesus talks about uh, being the great shepherd. And his statement about the sheep is this, the sheep know my voice. And so we had to kind of slow ourselves down. Now, believe me, I had idea after idea, and things were running through my brain even before we came in January. But to say, okay, Lord, we're going to wait. We're going to build relationship, and we're going to get used to the sound of each other's voices. We're going to get to know each other. And at the right time, Lord, we'll get to start talking about vision and where we're going. And I feel like we're at a point now in our church and in our relationship with each other that the Lord's saying, okay, set a course, set a direction, it's time to run. And so, I, I, like I said, I've been looking forward to this morning. Um, before we, we roll right into all of this, though, uh, I want to make sure you have everything you need uh, for, for the message this morning. There should be three things that you have in your possession today. You should have a bulletin. It looks like this. You should have... Uh, the sermon notes, the reference card, it looks like this, and you should have one of these, an opportunities to serve card. If you need one of those, uh, our ushers are ready, Sergio's back there, ready to pass that out. I don't want to move ahead until everyone has everything we need. So if you need any of those items, will you raise your hand? Um, get, uh, hey, Russ, could you jump up with Sergio and grab a few of those? Just keep your hand up. We want to get you resourced and equipped equip this morning so you can hang with me. We've got a lot of ground to cover, but it is going to be good. And it is the first day of the football season, the first Sunday of Sunday football. I know my son is cheering on the Seahawks who are playing right now. 
And uh, there will not be any spoilers. I know he's been checking his phone all morning going, oh, they're doing great. But no spoilers today. There's a lot of games lined up. I know that uh, I see some Cowboys wearing the house here. My Giants are playing the Cowboys today. We'll see how that goes. Um, any, any like diehard football fans here? Way to, way to go. Way to be here today. I, I, I applaud you. I applaud you. If you're listening to this on the tape because you decided to skip today, well, we'll have a chat later. No, it's all good. All right, so you have what you need. I want to give you an overview of what today is all about. You might be wondering, what is a fall kickoff Anyway, I have some props that I'm going to use today, and we have a, a table that's set up here I'm going to refer to in a few minutes. Um, but what is a fall kickoff, and, and, and is this about football? The answer is no, it's not about fo- football. There's really two seasons in the, in the calendar year for a church that are prime opportunities to cast vision and move uh, into a new season. The new year, the calendar year, January, is one of those times. People, after Christmas, they've had to connect with the Lord. People come into the new year, and they're like, I'm ready for this new year. We're going to engage. And it's a great time for churches to say, listen, here's where we're going for this next year. But historically, the fall is the other time. People have come out of summer. Vacations are done. Kids are back in school. And we kind of settle into a new rhythm. And so our fall kickoff is a time after summer to say, hey, what's our course for this next season? What is God doing? And what's going to happen this morning? I'm going to cast some vision. I'm going to tell some stories. I'm going to talk about the structure of our church, who we are, some of the ministries. And and it's all going to culminate with an opportunity for you to respond, not even to what I'm saying, but what God's calling you to in your life, in your walk, walk with Him, and in your partnership in the things He's calling you to. So we're gonna we're gonna move along this morning and cover a whole bunch of different points. Over this last week and even the weeks prior to that, I, as I was praying, as I've been studying, as I've been getting ready for this morning, I've been thinking about my life and and the things that led us to being here today as a family. Um, and it's fun to do that. It's fun to look back and go, okay, God, what's happened? What's taken place? I don't know if you ever do that. You look and say, Lord, look at the steps that got me to where I'm at today. The things that have happened in my life that have culminated in me working in the job that I'm working, living in the house that I'm living, being married to my spouse, having the children that I have, all of these things. What were the things that led to that? As I've been thinking about that, there was a pattern that kind of emerged for me, and, uh, and I wanted to share this with you, and then we're going to open our Bibles to Joshua chapter 6. We're going to look at a pretty good size, a sizable piece of scripture out of Joshua chapter 6 this morning. Here's what I noticed. Um, you know, God is, is, is uh, all throughout scripture, you see, God is a numbers guy. He likes numbers. Any of you mathematicians out there, God loves numbers. Some of the significant numbers in Scripture, we have the number 40, right? Number 40 is significant. The number 7, significant. On the seventh day, God rested. The number 3, the number of the Trinity. How many disciples were there? 
12 disciples. That was important. And we see these numbers repeating throughout Scripture. Well, the number seven kept popping up for me, and I want to paint a picture. And I want to I preface this all with, with saying this. I'm not one of those guys that I'm going through Scripture, counting up numbers and going, okay, what is it going to add up to? When's the end of the world? Because Jesus says, don't, don't bother, you don't know. Okay, so that's not, that's not what my heart is. But, but I noticed a pattern emerging, and I thought, Lord, this is important. Um, the number seven really stood out. Seven and a half years ago, almost eight years ago, uh, Megan and I were pastoring a church in Anchorage, Alaska. And for a number of reasons, primarily the health of our marriage and our family, we made the decision to step down from pastoring. Um, if you didn't know this, pastoring is hard. It's hard not just on the pastor, but on the family, on the spouse. And, and we recognized we were in a place where we had to make some hard decisions. That was December 7th, 1998, was our last Sunday pastoring in Anchorage, Alaska. One of the hardest days of my life. 2008, sorry. The other, you guys are like, what? 2008, I'm going way back, way back, 2008, I've been looking at so many dates over the last few, day, few days, 2008, one of the hardest days, but also a day that I knew that we were making a decision that would lead our family into a season of health and blessing, because you know that God wants to lead us as his children into seasons of blessing, that he has good things for us plans to prosper us, right? To give us a hope and a future. So that was December 7th, 1998. We came to California, 2008. There I go again. It's, it's in my, my memory here. Okay. 2008. We moved back to California. We traveled for a few years. We ended up being on staff at another church. And I essentially said to God, God, I will do anything you call me to except for senior pastoring. I'm done with that. Um, can I just tell you, it doesn't always go as you planned. It was about a year ago, just over a year ago, that God started stirring in our hearts, saying, uh, I'm calling you, I'm stirring your heart for senior pastoring again. And I thought, no way, no way, Lord, no, I, no, there's no way we're going to do this. So we started praying as a family and saying, okay, what do you have for us? What is this going to look like? We fast forward a few months, get to November, and I get a phone call from our district office saying, hey, Barry, there's a church, and it's in Glendora. And I knew before the end of the conversation what the answer was. It just settled in my heart that quickly. We got a humming going on, don't we? Let's do this real quick. We're going to kill the AC. Sorry, guys. See if that fix it, fixes it better. All right. Still there. All right. We're going to keep moving. The, Jacques, you're awesome. He's working on it. We'll get to figure it out. Um, I knew before the end of the conversation... See, because we'd been praying already as a family and preparing our hearts so that when the word of the Lord came, we knew. And it was a yes. It was a yes all the way. In fact, that was a Friday afternoon, Saturday morning. We sat around the table with our kids and said, 
because we pray and we make these decisions as a family. I didn't announce to them, hey, I'm taking this church and you guys are along for the ride. Said, this is a family deal. Here's, here's the opportunity. Here's what is laid in front of us. And we went around the table and every one of our kids said, yes, this is it. This is right. Let's start packing. Which blessed me. Come to find out, Pastor Dave Turner, who is the former senior pastor here that many of you know and love dearly, his last Sunday was December 7th, 2014. I was at our, our, the church uh, that we came from that morning. I knew that, that it was Dave's last Sunday. We had already said yes to, to coming to Glendora and I want to tell you that morning at the, at the end of the conclusion of the service here at New Community on December 7th, I felt physically, I felt the mantle of leadership fall on my shoulders as Dave, the, the lead shepherd of this congregation, stepped out. And even though we wouldn't be installed for another month or so, at that moment, God said, I brought you back to a place of senior leadership in a local congregation, and I felt that mantle. When I'd mentioned to our kids, hey, December 7th was our last Sunday in Anchorage. December 7th was Dave's last Sunday here. It was Gavin who declared, he, he just goes, that's not a coincidence. Seven years to the day. Seven years to the day. And as I've been meditating on that, I thought, okay, seven, seven significant. We've just finished our seventh month pastoring this church. And I'm like, Lord, okay, there's something here. There's something that you're speaking. So as I was praying about, well, what's the significance for us as a church then about this number seven? The Lord took me to Joshua chapter six. And I want to start us this morning uh, and frame our conversation by looking at the nation of Israel and what took place with them in the city of Jericho. Because as I prayed about, okay, what's the big deal about seven? Which, by the way, is the number of completion in the word of God. And it's, it's, it's uh, seven years was a year, seventh year was a year of jubilee. It was the year in which the slaves were freed and all debts were forgiven. It was a good year for the Israelites. They, they loved the seventh year. They loved the seventh day. Those seasons that had to do with seven always meant good things. In fact, a, a friend of mine, when we found out we were coming to Glendora, gave me a prophetic word. He said, Barry, I was praying for you, and the Lord said to me that this would be your year of jubilee, the seventh year. He had no idea what else was going on. And here's the thing, church. God starts weaving these threads together, and you step back and go, oh my goodness, God knows what he's doing. Individually, you don't see what's happening. God says, I know what I'm doing. By the way, Dave Turner was the pastor at New Community, the lead pastor, for seven years. Seven years. Pretty cool, huh? All right. So the Lord took me to Joshua 6. Here's what I want to do. I want to read this passage. We're going to have it up on the screen for you. Uh, have about... 20 verses we're going to read together. So it's a pretty significant chunk, but I want us to get the picture of what's happening here with the children of Israel. Father God, as we come to your word this morning, would you speak to us? God, you're doing good things. 
Lord, I don't want anything that it gets presented and spoken about this morning to just be my ideas or our ideas. Lord, we want what you want for our church. And so, Lord, we submit ourselves to your leading, to your direction, to your authority in our lives and over this congregation this morning. Speak to us, I pray. Amen. Now, Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands along with its kings and its fighting men. March around the city once with all of the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in the front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And when you hear them sound a long blast on, on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the people, Advance, march around the city with the armed guard going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward blowing their trumpets and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets, and their rear guard followed the ark. At this time, trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the people, Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you. Then shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the people returned to the camp and spent the night there. Joshua got up early. The next morning, and the priests took up the ark of the Lord. The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets went forward, marching before the, the ark of the Lord, blowing the trumpets. The armed men went ahead of them, and the rear guard followed the ark of the Lord while the trumpets kept sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. This they did for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city seven times. Then the seventh time around, when the priest sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. And it jumped down to verse 20. When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed, so every man charged straight in, and they took the city. I love that story, and it's a weird one, right? It's a weird, weird story. Marching around the city, blowing the trumpets. See, Jericho was the biggest, baddest city in the land. When the Israelites came out of the desert into the promised land, in fact, uh, the spies were sent out to check out the land. He said, go, go see the land, especially Jericho. Check out Jericho. Jericho had walls that were so big that people built houses into the walls. Chariots could ride around on the top of these walls. So this wasn't a, like a brick, little brick wall. These were walls that were 
15, 20, 40, 50 feet wide. They were huge. Now think about that day and age, this kind of city, this walled fortress, impenetrable. Here's this group of Israelites, this ragtag bunch that's been walking around the desert for 40 years, and they come up on this city. What's their strategy to take it? God says, well, we're going to do something different. And he gives those instructions. I want us to notice a couple of things, though. There's two words we're going to focus on, and we're going to focus on these for the rest of our time this morning. The word see and the word shout. The word see and the word shout. So in verse, one, in verse 2, the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Now think about the audacity and, and the strangeness of this statement. They had just marched up to the city. And Jericho says it was tightly shut up. Everyone went in. They closed the gates. No one was coming and going. Because the Israelites were there. But before anything even happened, God says to Joshua, See, I've given you the city. We haven't done anything yet, Lord. We just got here. See, we don't just see with our physical eyes. What God was saying to Joshua was this. See what I see. Don't see just with your eyes. See what I see. I have a vision of what's going to take place, and it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing, and it will deliver these people in the city into your hands. See with my eyes that I've delivered you. God made the declaration that it was done before it was done. It's the same word that uh, Elijah uses when uh, the armies come to take his life. And his servant gets up in the morning and he looks out and he sees the chariots and he's freaking out. And Elijah gets up and he, he looks out the window and he's calm. And his servant's going, how can you be so calm at a time like this? And Elijah says, he prays this prayer, Lord, open his eyes so that he can see and his eyes are open, and he sees the armies of the Lord surrounding the invading army. It's the same picture. See what God is going to do. Have a vision of what God is wanting to accomplish. This morning, we want to talk about vision. I want to talk about what God sees for our church. And I believe he's given me just a glimpse of what that is. And I can't wait to get to the point where I'm actually sharing that with you. So I'm going to keep moving forward. Don't just see what happens in the physical. God opens the eyes to see the impossible. We need to have a clear vision. We need to have a clear vision of what God is saying. See, if, if Joshua and the children of the Israelites showed up and said, listen, we're going to do this our way, and God said, no, no, I have this way. I need you to see my way. And they're like, well, your way is just weird. Would they have taken the city? No, it would never have happened. God gives Joshua a vision. He says, here's what I'm going to do. And then he gives them the plan to walk it out. He gives them the steps that they need to take to get to the point of victory. And then the word shout. Seven days, six days, they marched around once. Everyone quiet, just the trumpet sounding. I imagine the, 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 the residents of the city of Jericho up on the walls just watching the spectacle like, what are you doing? You're weirdos. First day, a few people out there. The second day, hey, 
You got to come check this out. By the last day, it's like, hey, someone's selling popcorn and hot dogs, and we're watching these weird Israelites walk around the city with their trumpets, not saying a word. I mean, would you have not wanted to go check it out? But then on the seventh day, seven times, and at the trumpet blast, the instruction was to shout. Not pull out your sword, not pull out your bow and arrow, not hit the door with a battering ram. Shout. And as the people raised their voices and they shouted, the walls came tumbling down. And think about this. People were up there watching, right? Where were the people most likely standing on top of the walls that came tumbling down? God got everything situated and orchestrated exactly how he wanted it to be. And then he said to his people, shout, make a declaration of who you are and who I am, and then just stand back and watch me work. See the vision and then shout, because God has given you the city. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 2 through 3 says this. The Lord answered Habakkuk and said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it? For the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Write the vision and make it plain. Good vision is easy to understand. Good vision is something you can wrap your heart and mind around and say, all right, I know what's expected of me. I know what I need to do to be able to move, move forward with it. Why? So that he may run who reads it. I've been in pastoral ministry for many years, went to Bible college, have been to seminars, read books about vision. And I've got to tell you, I've encountered some church vision that for me is like, I'm having a hard time understanding what this means to me. And how do you implement it or things that are so wordy uh, that that you're like, "I I can't remember that. Maybe you've maybe been a part of a church at one point where someone said, hey, what's the vision of the church? And you're like, I don't know. Or maybe a church that's changed its vision over the years. You go, I can't, I can't remember. I am a huge fan of simplicity. I like simple because it's easy for me to remember. What I want to present to you this morning, I believe, is a simple vision for what God has for us that is right in line with where we've come from as a church, our history, our heritage. It's in line with who we are as a four-square church, which I'm going to talk about in a few minutes. Write the vision and make it plain. This idea of shouting. If I have a vision, I can shout about it. If I have a vision, I can do something about it. Aiden's over here wearing his cowboy gear, right? He's, he's shouting. He, he's just sitting quietly. I'm sorry, I'm picking on you. I didn't even ask for permission, but you're a Cowboys fan, so you had it coming. Um, he is shouting while he's sitting quietly in his chair. What is he shouting? Go Cowboys, right? I'm aligning myself with this team, right? Now, I'm a Giants fan. Been a Giants fan since 1986. If for no other reason, it's the first Super Bowl I watched, and the Giants were playing, and they won, and I figured this is a pretty good team. I'm sticking with them. All right? That just so happens that the Giants are playing the Cowboys today. Right? So every time I look at you, I'm going, oh, man. Right? Because you're shouting. 
You're shouting. In fact, today all over our country, people are putting on their jerseys and painting their faces and writing stuff on their cars and waving flags, right? And shouting for a football team. Which is kind of cool, but kind of weird at the same time. I've got to tell you, the rest of the world looks at us. Actually, they all play soccer, so never mind, because they're just as bad. We shout God's praises. Today we said, with everything, I will shout your praise. We shout for joy when something happens and you're like, that was awesome. You're like off your feet. You're shouting, right? Some of your personalities are a little quiet. Some of you shouting is a little quieter. But you're still shouting for one person is not necessarily shouting for someone else. But there is a response that takes place. We shout when we get angry. When things rub us the wrong way or things don't sit well with us. That there's a rise and that you can hear someone's voice. Right? It goes up a little bit. The tone changes. Quite often we equate that with a negative thing. But can I tell you... There is a shouting and a righteous anger that God says, I'm okay with that. Not shouting at people, but shouting at the things that are going on in our world. That we would not settle or allow our hearts to say, oh, that's acceptable and okay. Shout as a declaration. Shout as a declaration of who God is. All right, so we need to move ahead. See and shout. When you started school, one of the first things you learned early on as you were writing stories or reading stories, you got to, to ask some questions. And they all started with the letter W. Remember what they were? <laughs> Who, what, why, when, and where? And then we added how. Doesn't fit, starts with an H, but we get that, right? Who, what, why, when, where, and how? I want to approach our conversation about vision by engaging some of these questions today. I want us to be able to walk out of here going, hey, I know who we are and what we're called to and how we're going to do it, where we're going to do it, and why we're going to do it. Right? Simple, easy to remember. Who are we? We've been talking about this for the last few weeks, so I don't want to spend a lot of time here. Who are we? We are the church. We're the church of Jesus Christ. We're the called out ones. In fact, I I gave you this definition of the church. The fact that the church is a community of people called out from every nation on earth to display, demonstrate, and declare God's nature, God's ways, God's truth, and God's truth to all who live on the earth so that they might turn to Him and live. That's who we are. That's simply who God has called us to be, not as a church, but as the church. As members of the body of Christ, you are the church. And that's who we are. It's who we are. God has a call on us that he's called us out of something and into something and that we have a purpose. We have a unique story as a church and as individuals. This church is a four-square church. It's a church that was... Uh, Glendora Foursquare Church planted uh, May 18, 1990 by a man named Richard Cornelier. First service, May 18th, was held in a home. Four years later, a life professor named Dave Metzger started a church called Breakthrough in Covina. It was just a few years after that, I believe it was in 1998, 
1997, that, that the two churches merged, Glendora Foursquare Church and Breakthrough merged, and those two churches came together and became one congregation. 2004, we became New Community Church. We got a new name, and that's been our identity ever since. 2008, Dave Metzger said goodbye to this congregation as the Lord led him to a different place. And Pastor Dave Turner came in as the senior pastor. 2008 to 2015, seven years later, Dave Turner was called to plant a church in St. Louis, Missouri. And we received the call as I shared about already. That's our story as a church. How you came to this church, well, your story is different. There's something that led to you being in the seat that you're in today. And that's an important part of our story as a congregation how you ended up here today. See, because for such a time as this, God led you to this place. For such a time as this, God brought Megan and myself and our kids to this congregation. God knows what he's doing. And who are we? We're called to be this kind of people, this kind of church, not on a Sunday morning, not just on a Sunday morning, but that we be these kinds of people, this kind of church out in the world. That's who we are. And we have these stories that are all woven together. But here's the next question. What are we called to do? What are we called to do? Not just as, as the, the big C church, the church around the world, but what is this unique congregation New Community Foursquare Church in Glendora, California, meeting at Sellers Elementary School. What are we called to do? How is God calling this expression of his body, of his church in the world? What is he calling us to as we move forward? What does that look like? I'm glad you asked. Here's what I want to share with you this morning. There's a few things. You want to take out this piece of paper. This is going to paint a picture. This is something you can take with you. You can put it on your fridge. You can put it in your Bible. You can give it away. Um, but this will be a, a handy reference for you regarding who we are and what we're called to. So what is our purpose? What is our mission? What are we called to as a church? Well, first of all, you'll notice that we have a church logo. This is our new church logo. We are NC Glendora. N.C. Glendora wanted to have a logo that expressed, uh, that, that, that encapsulated a few different things. This, the circle we'll get to in a second. But N.C., I, I wrestled with N.C.C., New Community Church. But in the end, left the C off because I wanted this to raise a question for people. That when they see this logo, they get to ask you, what is that? And then you get to be the C. Say, I get to be the C. You get to be the church. Hey, what's NC Glendora? What is that? Well, let me tell you. And you get an opportunity to share your story. Wanted a logo that would capture both the modern and the traditional or the, the historical. Glendora is an old community. Not just an observation of the people, but the, the community has been here a long time. Just over 100 years ago that Glendora was established. You can go to downtown Glendora and see homes that were built 100 years ago. It's pretty cool. I'd love to have one of those houses. So we have a font, the NC, that's a modern font, but the Glendora 
encapsulates or captures a bit of the historical uh, depth to our community. I don't want to spend too much time here, but welcome to our new logo. This is it, and this is what you'll see around. We are New Community Church. You'll see right under that on this sheet, a four-square church. I embrace who we are as a four-square church, and we're going to talk about that more in just a second here. I want to read our purpose statement. If we can get that up. Our purpose is this. God has called us to be a faith community who live the gospel in such a way that people come to know God, grow as disciples, serve like Jesus, and go into all the world to reach others for Christ. I believe at this moment in time, this is what God is calling us to. This is our purpose as a church. This is where God is leading us as a congregation to be a faith community who live the gospel in such a way that people come to know God, grow as disciples, serve like Jesus, and go into all the world to reach others for Christ. Now that's a bit of a mouthful. There's a lot of words there. But you'll notice that there's four words that are bolded. Know, grow, serve, and go. If you've been part of our kids' ministry at New Community, you've heard the words, no, grow, and go. Pastor Deb has been using those with our children for years. In fact, at our staff retreat back, I think in March, we were talking about vision, and I was hammering out some ideas, and, and I'll tell you, I'll be honest, what I was coming up with was kind of complicated. And we were ha- I was having a hard time understanding what I was saying, right, Tom? I was like, all right, this is, I'm trying to, okay, Lord, just quiet my heart. And then someone said, no, grow, go. And I was like, oh my goodness, I love that. I love that. So we adopted that and then just added the word serve. And you'll see why in a second. We are a four-square church, as I mentioned. I want to unpack real quick what that means and why that's significant for us. And why four-square needs to make sense in light of who we are. We're a four-square church for this reason. We preach the four-square gospel. And these are the symbols that are used by Foursquare that have been what what we've used for the last almost 100 years, coming up on 100 years. That Jesus Christ is our Savior, our Healer, our Baptizer, and our soon-and-coming King. That He's coming back for His church. He's our Savior, that Jesus came to earth, died on the cross, and made a way for people to walk into a relationship with Him and be restored into a full covenant relationship, intimate relationship with God the Father, he's our Savior. Jesus Christ is our healer. He's our healer. Not just physically. The Bible says that by his stripes we're healed. Isaiah actually prophesied about that. By his stripes we're healed. So often though we just take that to be physical healing. And absolutely it applies to physical healing. If you need a touch of physical healing today, we serve a God who wants to bring healing. And we want to trust you, trust with you for that healing. But it's not just physical. You know that people have emotional wounds, spiritual wounds, relational wounds. There are places in our lives that are damaged and destroyed and that Jesus wants to bring healing to every part of who you are. That there is no part of of your life that he doesn't care about and want to touch with a healing touch. He wants to heal marriages. He wants to heal the relationship between children and their parents. He wants to bring restoration, that Jesus is our healer. Jesus is our baptizer in the Holy Spirit. 
because of the work of Christ on the cross and the fact that he rose again and then he ascended, right? The disciples were like, please don't go. And he said, if I don't go, then I can't send the baptizer, the Holy Spirit. So I need to go so he can come. And then Jesus sends the Holy Spirit and we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why? So that we can be empowered to do the work that God's called us to do. And then finally, the coming king. Jesus is our coming king. The Bible says that no one knows the day or the hour, but at some point, he's coming back and every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And it should light a fire in us to want to share his love because they, the days are numbered, the days are growing short before he comes back and, and we have to give an account of our lives. I love this. It's simple. I get to, to uh, carry a card that says I'm a four-square chaplain. Um, in fact, where's Abby? Hey, Abby. Abby works with our four-square chaplaincy at, uh, at four-square missions international, our international offices. Um, she's awesome. If you don't know Abby, you got to get to know Abby. Um, I hear stories about our chaplains being out in, in, in areas where there's disaster relief and, and they just have the name chaplain and then the four square symbols and over and over and over again, people will look at the four square symbols and go, what do those mean? And you know, that is just the story of salvation. It's the gospel expressed in four, symbol, four simple symbols. People get saved just because they go, what is that? What does that mean? Well, I wanted, to, I wanted to make sure as a church that we were in line with who we are as a four-square church and a four-square denomination. And so these four words, no, grow, serve, and go, correlate with this uh, four-square gospel. So, Micah, if we can put those up. Here's how this works. We're first called to know God. It's a vertical relationship, therefore the arrow going up and down. You can't know God aside from Jesus Christ. And so to know God, to walk into a relationship with him is our first purpose as a church. We have to know God. We have to be able, be able to encounter him and engage with him and introduce other people to him. Know God. We need to grow with him. You know that growing is a healing process. I can't grow if I'm not healthy, right? And so we're going to grow because God is going to bring health and minister to us. We're going to grow as disciples, as followers of Christ. Everything we've been talking about out of Romans chapter 8, that we're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. We're growing as disciples, as Christ followers. That we serve like Jesus did. That we serve like Jesus. And Jesus was only able to serve because he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. You know that he didn't start his earthly ministry until he was baptized in the Spirit. We're a four-square church. We believe that we're baptized. We're Pentecostal. If you didn't know that, it's a Pentecostal church. But we're not weird. Well, maybe, maybe a little bit. I think a lot of our world around goes, Pentecostal? Oh, no, that, no, you know what? Pentecostal just means this. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit to reach the world with the love of God. And that we're called to serve. The arrows are pointing in. Why? Well, because the first place to serve is right here because it's a safe place. It's a place where you will get invested in and trained and equipped. Ephesians says, 4 says that the, 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 the work of the, 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 the pastors and the teachers and the evangelists and, and the prophets in, in this church is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For those of you who are counting, I missed one, but I'm just going to keep moving ahead. 
What's that one place? What's that thing that God has called you to? See, we can't all do everything. But you are here today for such a time as this because there is something that God's called you to and said, I'm bringing you to this church so that you can serve in the gifting and under the power of the Holy Spirit that's unique to you. And you add flavor and depth to who we are so that we can come together as a church and say, how do we make an impact? And then we're called to go to our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth, to our Glendora, L.A. County, state of California, the United States of America, and to the far reaches of four corners of the earth that it's not just for us to hang on to, but it's to take to our community and say, we want to bring the love of God to you. So we are all about knowing God, growing as disciples, serving under the power of the Holy Spirit, and going into all the world. Knowing God, where does this happen? I'm going to flip this paper over and broke these into four categories. Everything we do as a church fits into one of those four areas. Everything. Which is helpful because we can evaluate and say, how are we doing? Are we really heavy in one area but kind of light in another? Do we need to balance ourselves out? Do we need to find more? Do we need to be going more? There's a lot of churches who, who know, grow, and serve, but they never go. Because, hey, that's comfortable here. I don't want anyone to leave. You know, there's this term in church, church growth, called closing the back door. Like we tra- that's kind of weird, isn't it? Close the back door so people don't sneak out. Yeah, that's like kidnapping. It's, it's strange. We want the back door open because we want people, and not, we want the front door open so that people can come, be equipped, grow, and then be sent because my desire is that you hear from God and say, Pastor Barry, I feel like God's calling me to be a missionary. God, I, I feel like God's calling me to move to another city and go make an impact in that place. And so this is not about just staying here. It's about going into all the world. So how do we know? Well, Sunday mornings will be our primary place where we engage with the first point, with knowing. You'll notice the table that's set right over here. Isn't it pretty? If you can't see it, you'll have to, you can, if you need to stand up real quick and take a look, you've got to check this out. It's a beautiful table set. It's the fall. It doesn't feel much like fall, but it's fall now, I guess, because football's happening. So Thanksgiving's just around the corner I love Thanksgiving. I love having a good meal. If you're invited to someone's home and you walk in and you see this kind of table, what are you going to assume? <laughs> There's good food coming. What else are you what other conclusions would you draw? Good dessert. I I see this if I walk into a home and this is the table that's been prepared. Wow, they were ready for me. Wow, they really care about me. Oh, they, they put out the best. Right now, if I go to a barbecue, I expect paper plates, right? All the red cups. It's what I expect. But if I walk into a table and see a table like this, I go, wow, we kind of up things a little bit. There's good things coming, and it expresses value. It shows preparation. You don't just throw something like that together. It takes thought. It takes care. Sunday mornings... We want to prepare a place here. We want to prepare a place that people can walk in, whether they've known God their whole life or whether they're brand new to Jesus. 
and never made a decision to follow him, we want both of those people to walk into this place and go, you were ready for me. You prepared for me. And you welcomed me at the door. And I came in and, and something was prepared for me that you put care and thought into this. And you know when you've maybe been to someone's house and you show up and, and you knock on the door and you get, get the yell, come on in, it's unlocked. Okay. And you go in and there's stuff flying all over and there's smoke coming out of the kitchen. Do we need to come back on another day? Maybe you've visited a church. You walk in and maybe on the door it says, you know, we're, we're a friendly church. Hey, there it is. Thank you. We're a friendly church and you walk in and you're like, yeah, not so much. See, because I'm not going to set a table like this and then serve you a hot dog. We'll do that later at the picnic area. <laughs> but I'm not going to serve you a hot dog. You put that on the plate, even a good hot dog. Right? Gourmet hot dog. You're still going, this doesn't match. So it's not just about us preparing a place, but it's also making sure that what we serve when people get here matches who we say we are. Is this, are you tracking with me? Why? Because we want to remove every distraction possible so that people can know God. That they would walk out of this place going, I have never felt so loved and so welcomed and so embraced. And my life is a mess, and those people didn't really even care. They just loved me. That a person can hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and have the opportunity to make a response and say, yes, I want to follow God. And that a mature believer can come to the same table, to the same place, and hear a message that will challenge them to go deeper. See, we're all learning to know God more, right? I want to know God. I want to know Him more. Our Sunday mornings become that, that special place where we get to do that. We know God as well. If you look on the back of your flyer, special services, Easter, Christmas, Thanksgiving, VBS closing Sunday, and other special th- services, Mother's Day, Father's Day, throughout the year, which become unique opportunities for us to invite people. You know that statistics show and surveys show that most people the majority of people, if they were invited to church, would go. They would go. And at some points, it's easier to invite than others. Christmas, easiest one of them all. The most people on Christmas, and then right after that is Easter, if you invited them to go, most people would say yes. You'll notice in this place this morning, we, we set up extra chairs. Not just because we were anticipating more people, There's 180 chairs in this place this morning. 180 chairs. I look at those empty chairs. Look around you. There's empty chairs. Those chairs don't represent people that didn't show up. Those chairs represent people who aren't here yet. Amen? We're going to set up 180 chairs every Sunday. Every week. Because I'm not satisfied that there's, listen to me, this could go one of two ways. I'm not satisfied that my church isn't big. No. I'm not about growing a big church. I want to see, I want to help, be a part of growing big people in the Lord. Can I say that again? I don't care about growing a big church. I want to see people grow big in the Lord. Amen. I'm not satisfied with this, though, that we have people in our neighborhood who don't know Jesus. 
and have never had the opportunity to hear about his love for them. And my prayer is that they would fill these seats. Would you partner with me in praying that God would bring people who need to hear about his love? And then would you take it a step further and ask God, who can I invite? Oh, there's so much risk. Can I tell you, psychiatrists, studies, sociologists have found that one of the top 10 stressful things that you can do in your life is go to a church for the first time. It is so stressful for people to go to church. But can I tell you, if you invite them and say, hey, let's meet at Donut Man, and then let's just drive up, right? Because Donut Man makes everything better. And then let's drive to church together, and I'll, I'll be there. I'll just be with you. You know that there are people who don't know how to go to church. It's as foreign to them as someone coming to you and saying, hey, we're going to go to the fanciest, fanciest country club in the world. I'd be like, I don't know how I'm supposed to behave, how I'm supposed to dress. I don't know. Invite someone and then partner with them and bring them. But let's trust God to fill these chairs so that we can see more people growing in the Lord. And then the final point on no, I have, I have to move along here. <laughs> OSL level one. OSL is our Operation Solid Lives. It's an intense discipleship program that we've done as a church in the past. We're going to be relaunching this in the new year. Level one is all about how do I know God. It's a four-week study that will take you deeper in your walk with the Lord than you've ever been before. And I don't care how long you've known Jesus. I have a pastor friend who's been a pastor since he was born. Really, I think Dave was a pastor since he was, no. He, he has been a pastor. He is one of the most solid guys I know. He ended up going through OSL just a few years ago. And, and, and he was on staff at a church where they required all of their staff members to go through it. And, uh, and I, I got to ask him, I'm like, so what did, you, what did you think? And he's like, Barry, I learned so much about the Lord. Oh, it will engage you. Now, don't, don't be intimidated if you've not done it. It will, it will meet you wherever you are, but it will equip you, OSL level one. Number two is this, grow. I'm going to have to speed up a little bit. How do we grow? These are the places we grow, looking at the back of your sheet. Life groups. Life groups will be our point, primary point of connect when it comes to growing. Two weeks, a week from this Sunday, we're going to announce times and locations, and then that next week we get going. Can I tell you, if you're not a part of a life group and new community, you're missing out. You're missing out. It's the place where God is going to stir us. Uh, a few months ago, I talked about uh, tools for the journey and how spiritual conversation is something that helps us grow as believers. Life groups afford us an opportunity to talk about the things that God is doing in our lives with other people. And I guarantee you, that you will be encouraged, that you will grow. Who's been a part of a life group who'd say with me, yes, that's the case, right? All around this room. Be a part of a life group. Solid life journal and journaling. I brought one of these up here with me this morning. We have these journals. It's a Bible reading plan and journaling plan that will get you into the Word of God. God's Word will transform you and grow you like nothing else. i got to tell you right now, there is no church program on the planet that's been devised that can outshine the Word of God for changing your life. Get into the Word. These are available at the back table. If you need one, 
grab one. We usually charge five bucks for these. If you're able to pay for one, great. If you can't afford it, just take one. Because it's more important for me that you're in the Word. Journaling groups, what are those? Can you imagine with me for a second, people taking these journals, and rather than just doing your journaling in your bedroom or in your quiet place, which is great, but taking one day a week to say, you know what, I'm going to journal at Classic Coffee. I'm going to go to Starbucks. I'm going to go sit in public somewhere and shout. And just shout. What am I doing when I open my Bible and my journal in Starbucks? I'm making a declaration. Now, I'm getting to, to meet with Jesus, and that's good. But imagine a community, a city, where people, a part of new community, are meeting all throughout the weeks. Moms and dads and couples and whoever, youth and J-12ers, meeting and saying, hey, we're going to meet on a, at lunch on our campus, Glendora High School, Sandberg Middle School, Goddard, here, right here at Sellers. Hey, we're going to meet once a week at lunch and journal together, and we start seeding the Word of God into our community. Can you imagine the kind of impact that will make? Can you? It's huge. It's huge. I'm going to kick it off with this. Tuesdays at 6.30 a.m., I will be at the Starbucks on the corner of Lone Hill and Route 66 doing my life journaling. I'm going to invite guys because I'll be there alone. So if a lady shows up and it's just me and a lady, that's weird and awkward. So we, we want to, right, the appearance of evil. Guys, guys, join me, 6.30, Starbucks, Tuesdays. On Fridays at 6.30, I'll be a class of coffee. Come meet with me. Come join me. Now listen, this is not a formal church ministry program. This is just a guy doing his devotions, inviting other guys. You're going to hear about other groups that we're going to form and say, hey, meet these people. But, but you can just do it. Find a couple of people who have a similar schedule to you and go, hey, let's meet once a week. And let's be in the Word together. All right, moving along. Does it make sense? Does it get you fired up a little bit? Yeah. All right, OSL level two and three will be a part of our growing process. Next gen. Our next gen is our nursery through college age. We love young people. And we believe God's called us to invest in their lives. Our NC kids who have a brand new logo right there. New community kids. That's who we are. And we're about investing into the lives of children to see them developed early on. Why? Train up a child in the way it should go. It's a key point in their lives. Our J-12, our fourth through sixth grade. Um, in fact... Uh, if you're part of our, I'm going to back up to NC Kids. Pastor Deb takes a lead with our children's ministry, but if you're a part of the children's ministry team, would you stand real quick? I know Rosie uh, works with Deb. If you teach a class, I know there's some of you, more of you in here. If you teach a class, if you're an assistant, if you volunteered any way with our children's ministry, stand up. All right. Thank you. Here's what I want you to do. If you want to be a part of New Community Kids, talk to one of these people and find out how you can get involved. J-12, where's Leslie? Right here. Leslie, and then our rest of our J-12, stand, stay standing. J-12 team, stand up. If you teach J-12, you're involved in leading J-12. All right. Leslie, as of yesterday, is taking the lead with J-12. She's going to be heading up that class for us. Um, awesome. Sergio and Diana, you guys are amazing. 
J12 needs to hear from you. If you want to be a part of that ministry, talk to these guys. New Community Youth, Russ is our youth pastor. If you're part of the youth leadership team, stand up. and Come on. Woo! I'm going to tell you right now, this, ha- this has happened in the last couple of months. Our team has grown. Why? Because God is bringing more, more youth to our church. And I want to show you guys for the very first time our new community youth logo right here. New community youth. Uh, next Saturday, I mean next Sunday rather, the 20th, Megan and I will be hosting a barbecue at our home for college college students, and college-age students. I recognize that not everyone who's college-age is going to college. Okay, so we just get that clear. Next Sunday, 6 p.m. at our home, we're having a barbecue, and we're gonna, we want to host you in our home. It will be the kickoff of our college ministry uh, here at New Community, and I invite you to be a part of it. Bring a friend. So if you're between 18 and 24, come be a part of that. And, uh, and let's trust God. We're going to meet on the first and third Sundays of the month, and it's going to be great. All right, marriage ministry. We have women's ministry, men's ministry, pastoral care and counseling, camps and retreat, and conferences. All of these are places where we can grow together. Guys, go to men's retreat. Grow with other guys. Grow, grow as a disciple. We're going to be introducing the leaders of these different teams as we move forward. You're going to hear more about those things. I don't want to just bombard you with everything right now, but we've, we've got a good start, okay? Surf. I'm a little bit over, but we're almost there. How do we surf? Be a part of the prayer team. Tom Ward, Pastor Tom, is, is the one who takes the lead with our, our prayer. You've got to stand up. We're having everyone stand up. If you have a heart to pray, you love to pray. If you're an intercessor, if you want to be a part of the prayer team on Sunday mornings, talk to Tom. It's a place to serve. Use that gift. First touch, hospitality. Megan, you got to stand up. It's my wife, Megan. Stay standing. Stay standing. All right. If you're a part of the hospitality team, first touch, that would be ushers. Parking lot. People helping in the parking lot doing uh, the, the refreshments, any of those things. First touch. Why first touch? Because you get to set the table. And it's usually the first touch that people have is not hearing the pastor preach. It's how they're greeted at the door. And it's so important, right? It's a critical ministry. First touch. If you have a heart for hospitality, greeting people, baking refreshments and cookies and all of those kinds of good things. Touch base with Megan. I'd love for you to be a part of that team. Our Next Gen team, tons of opportunities to serve with Next Gen. Children's ministries with our NC kids, with our J-12. Tons of ministry opportunities there. In fact, while I'm talking about this, you can take this card out. This is the opportunities to serve card. It lists all of these things in some more detail. Creative arts includes our worship team, sound, media, tech, video, graphic design, drama, dance, and arts. All of these things under uh, the umbrella of creative arts. Um, our, our worship leaders uh, right now are uh, uh, Jamie. Sorry, brain fart. <laughs> Stand up real quick. Jamie, Jacques in the back behind the soundboard right over there. Jesse and Sean. Sean, come on. They're taking the lead with our, our sound, our, with our worship, sound, and media. 
Um, if you have questions about being a part of the worship team, they're the ones to talk to, connect with them. Please do that. Our setup team, Sergio, hop on up, and Abby. All right. Sergio and Abby, um, I've asked them to take a lead with our setup and tear down. And Andrew. Sorry, Andrew. <laughs> Thank you. You're awesome. You've got to stand up then. If you're going to raise your hand, you've got to stand up. All right. I'm going to cast a little quick vision here. You guys are awesome. We meet in a school, if you hadn't noticed. All right, you guys can grab a seat. Because our church isn't the Vikings. That's not who we are. We meet in a school, and every week this gets set up and, and taken down. We meet on Friday nights at 6 p.m. right here to set all of this up. We'd love for you to be a part of that team. In the Old Testament, the Levites were the ones who set up the tabernacle. It was their job to prepare a place of worship. And you might go, oh, setting up chairs. Can I tell you, setting up chairs in this sanctuary, I think is one of the most important jobs at this church. And I'd love for you to be a part of that. This setup team gets to touch each of these chairs, and when they do, they pray over them. We prepare a place for the people of God to come and worship. We need, to be, need you to be a part of this. Now, here's the thing. You might go, I'm not called to that. All right, in your house, are you called to do dishes? All right, your mom calls you. <laughs> There's things in a house, in a family that just need to get done, right? We vacuum, we clean, we do the laundry, we do the dishes. Why? Because it needs to get done. Can I tell you right now, you don't need to have a call or a spiritual gift to be a part of the setup team. And so, here's what I'm asking. Every one of us, once a month, once a month, show up here, 6 p.m. on a Friday night, and let's get this done. And let's prepare this house for people to come and worship. Every one of us can do it. Be there. Be a part of that. Talk to, to one of these guys and they'll get you connected. Life Groups is a place where we get to serve women's and men's ministry and our marriage ministry, local and global missions, and in our administration team. You can be a part of that. Find out where you need to serve and jump in and be involved. And then finally this, go. Go. It's not worth it if we just keep it all to ourselves. Talked about the pep rally. This is a pep rally, and I love pep rallies, but the pep rally isn't the game. God's called us to be participants in the work that he's doing to be out in the world. Can I encourage you? Go be the church. So you'll notice that it says local missions, your neighborhood, school, workplace, and sports team. What I didn't write there is we have a program to reach your neighborhood. Our program is you. God's plan is you. So go be the church in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, in your community, on your sports team. Blake is a part of the Glendora football, uh, Glendora High School football team. And here's what Megan, my plan is. We want to be there not just to cheer our son on. We want to be there to meet people. For the next couple of years, he'll be on that team. And right behind him, Gavin's going to be on the football team. We have, a, we have a strategy in place. For the next six years, we're immersing ourselves into Glendora High School football. First, because we love football. But second, because people need to know Jesus. And if, I, if all I ever do as a pastor is sit in my office and read the Bible, I'm not going to meet the people out in the community. Go meet the people in your community and then share the love of God with them. 
have a plan on how you're going to accomplish that. We're here in Sellers Elementary School. We don't have to go. We're already there. We did a brunch for the teachers here at the school. Can I tell you, they were overwhelmed by the love. Why are you doing this? Because we love you. Just to say thank you for all you do. And then they ate it up, literally. It was good because we put out our best. They walked into a spread that wasn't a whole lot different to this. There was decorations on the table and options and different kinds of food and good, good coffee. And they were, oh, thank you so much. Sellers is our mission field. And we're looking for more opportunities to be a blessing right here. City events. October 31st, our city does a big Halloween fair, Halloween carnival. Now, here's the thing. A lot of churches and a lot of Christians go, Halloween, I am staying home. I am locking the doors. I'm praying in the spirit all night. (laughs) Can I tell you, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Get out and meet your community and be where the people are. Where would Jesus be? He would be where the people are that that needed him. Our plan is to have a booth, maybe a couple of booths, at the harvest, I mean, not, not the harvest, see, I'm reverting. Would we try to harvest this? And No, the people are going to the Halloween carnival at Finkbeiner Park, and we're going to be there to love on them. Let's go love our community with full-size candy bars. How about that? Right? You're that church that gives out the big candy. Community partnerships. And can I just tell you, it's no strings attached. I don't want to manipulate people into our church or into the kingdom of God. I just want to love them. Because an uncommon love, agape love, will cause people to go, what is it about you? I want that. All right? Community partnerships. There's ways that we can partner in our community. And disaster relief. I heard sirens going by last night. Fire engines. What if we found places where... Someone's house burned down, right? Someone's house got flooded. What if a team from New Community showed up with their boots on and shovels ready to help out? Not because we were asked, but because we have a heart for our city. There's ways that we can bless our community. And then global missions. Foursquare Missions International. Missionary support. Short-term missions trips that are coming and missionary giving outwardly giving to the work of God around the world. There is ways for us to partner and do this. In fact, next Sunday, I want to invite you to be here. Invite a friend, uh, Joyce Boutron, who is our Foursquare Area Missionary for Southeast Asia. She lives in Thailand, will be here, and she'll be speaking next Sunday. And I'm excited. I've asked her specifically to address for us the role of the local church in global missions. And I'm excited what she has to do. She has ties and history with our church. Many of you know her. And so be a part of that next week. And then finally, church multiplication. You'll notice, Mike, if we can put the, glo- the, the logo back up, NC Glendora can easily be NC Laverne, NC Pomona, NC Diamond Bar, NC Nairobi. I have a heart to ch- plant churches. And I want you to pray with me and trust that God will cause us to be a congregation that is a sending congregation. So we can start planting churches and campuses all over this, uh, this valley into the ends of the earth. Let's, let's set our sights on the world. I'm going to close with this promise. At our 
district, uh, district convention, not our district, our, our international Foursquare convention back in June, end of May. Um, there were, one of the speakers was preaching out of Isaiah 60, and he was sharing about having ridiculous faith, asking God for things that are way bigger than us. And he shared about his church. He was in his backyard praying, and, and the Lord said to him, I'm going to increase your, your, your monthly tithe. And he gave him a, a number that was outrageous. And he says, but I want you to start praying that, that this will be the case, that this will come about. And he kind of chuckled, and he's like, well, there's no way, but I'll pray. And you know, the day came that that number was reached and now is surpassed over and again. And I was sitting there and thinking, Lord, what are you calling us to? I want to be able to go to my church and say, we're trusting God for something huge, something amazing, something bigger than us. What can I go with? And here's the first thing that popped into my head, our own building. And immediately God said, no, don't worry about the building. In fact, what the Lord said to me was this, whatever building you can dream up will not be enough to handle what I want to do. Don't worry about a building. I've got a building for you. You focus on mission. You focus on purpose. And I'll give you what you need to accomplish it. Okay. So can I just tell you, we're not going to have a building conversation. We're going to let God just open the doors. Right? We're going to let him do it. So I was like, okay, Lord, then what? I want to ask you to pray with me and believe for this. And this is what he put in my heart. Our current annual budget as a church is right around $200,000. That's, that's everything. That's the whole thing. And when we have our family meeting, we're going to be scheduling one here very shortly. When we have the, you'll see our, 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 our annual budget. But, but if you didn't know, our annual budget is about $200,000. It's a lot of money. And here's what God spoke to me. He said, I want you to start praying and believing that your current annual budget would become your annual missions giving. That we would move from a place where our annual budget is 200000 to where our annual giving is $200,000. That's ridiculous. And I can't wait. What I love about it is it's not focused on what we can get in. It's what we can give away. Would you believe with me that God wants to do that? I ask you the question, what kind of church would we need to be to give $200,000 a year. And I'm not talking about size. I'm not talking about numbers of people. I believe that God can do big things with small groups of people. Ask Gideon. But let's trust God that this church would be a world-changing church. Amen? I want you to stand with me as we close. I'm going to invite Russ to come up. We're going to end with something a little different. God said to the children of Israel, Shout, shout, for I have given you the city. I believe the word for us this next year, 2015 and 2016, I believe the word of the Lord for this church is, Shout, I have given you Glendora. Shout, shout my praise in your community. Shout, and declare who I am. Lift your voice against the things that the enemy has brought as areas of destruction. 
Get angry at the enemy and get angry at injustice. Shout. Shout the praise of God. Shout the encouragement of the people around you. And rather than us just hearing that word today, I believe God's calling us to respond. Russ has a trumpet in his hands. And I asked Russ this morning, I want to close the service this way. I'm going to ask Russ in just a second to blow a blast on his trumpet that will fill this place. And as soon as he blows that sound, would you shout with me and declare over this church and over this city that God is going to bring breakthrough, that He is going to tear down strongholds, that He is going to restore marriages, that He is going to lead people to Himself, that we will see people filling this room, filling this building, pouring through these doors, saying, I need what you have. Tell me about Jesus. Can we believe for that today? Amen. Russ, go for it. God, we worship you in this place. We declare victory over our city. We declare, God, that the enemy has no authority and no place to stand. That God is greater. That he is bigger. That he is stronger. That he is mighty. That he is mighty to save. That we will be a church who knows you, who grows with you, who serves like Jesus and goes into the world. Praise your holy name. Father God, I pray over new community today. Oh Lord, that we would never be the same again. We thank you for where we've come from and what you've done to get us to where we are. Lord, the tapestry that is this church, the the threads that have been weaved together, that have culminated in us being here today, the people sitting to our left and our right, Not by accident, but very much on purpose. Your purpose. Help us to see what you see. And help us to shout with our lives the truth of who you are. That we would be a community who lives the gospel in such a way that people come to know God, grow as disciples, we would serve like Jesus did and that we would go into all the world so that others would come to know Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.